This is an excellent shirt, by the way. I've got one of those. If this is your shirt. <laughs> That's my shirt. <laughs> it is. Welcome to the Pipeline Award-Winning Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Gibbs. You can find me on Twitter at Pipeline underscore. You can find me coming through your speakers right now. Another week of college basketball, but I got to bring in my main man, my partner in crime, KSD. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Pregame Empire. And KSD, one of two things is true. Either everybody in college basketball is good or everybody in college basketball is bad. And I kind of leaning toward the latter. It is funny because, well, first of all, so it was a rough week to be in the top five, rough weekend to be in the top five, unless your name is Alabama. But uh, it is kind of funny because I, I, I do think some of this happens every year, but this year it's happening as well. But also maybe this weekend showed us it might not be happening. I don't know. But we do the thing where, in college basketball, if you know, if you look at the top five and you don't see teams with you know the, the names of like a North Carolina, a Duke, a Kentucky, a Kansas, you know, a UCLA, a Villanova, you know, like all, all you know the the sort of usual suspects, the historical powers. And I know Villanova is kind of newer seats to that table, but if those if those types of teams aren't in the conversation, the uh, the, the 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 default perception of the year in college basketball is that there's no dominant teams. And I'm here to tell you that this year there's still no dominant teams, even though there's teams aren't in, aren't in the conversation. That's actually that's actually accurate. That's not always the case. And I didn't I didn't necessarily believe that was true until Kansas lost twice this week. Cliches are cliche for a reason. And I don't again, yes, the usual suspects aren't there, but I think it's more of what you're saying. We we're seeing some of the top you know, at first, remember, we at first we had UConn, like, man, they look like world beaters, yeah. and they just kept losing. They've, yeah, they've lost four or five or something now, five yeah. or six, something like that. And then, you know, you, you aforementioned Kansas loses twice, including, as you pointed out today on Twitter, by 23 <laughs> at home, which is the rare Bill Self home loss. But I remember we were talking on our Discord, shameless plug, uh, we said, man, Kansas plus four and a half at, at, at you know like the live line that, I was like that seems like a gimme because they're going to get the calls the they're going to yep, go on their yep. patented run but I will say this I held off I didn't make any bets partly because I thought that seems a little too fishy because that seems like a slam <laughs> dunk and you know in Vegas when it's a slam dunk you got to go the other way and lo and behold they just got blown out in the second half yeah, I mean, you know, t- going back to the uh, you know no dominant teams thing for a second, you know, Houston was also the uh, Houston and Kansas were the two I was considering as you know these could be truly elite college basketball teams. Both lose this weekend. Houston loses today at home to Temple. Um, I, you know, not not to get too into the X's and O's or in the weeds, but I, I'm so out on Purdue as a national title contender. Um, I could I could talk I could spend the entire pod telling you why I don't think that team is capable of getting to the Final Four, even though they only have one loss. But um. Back to Kansas. Yeah, I agree with you. It kind of, you know, it's one of those games where you know the run's coming, except for it just never came. Um, even though, you know, Jalen Wilson, like, I think the most telling thing for Kansas is Jalen Wilson had like 21 points in the first half and they were still down like 15. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a problem. Um, but even more so telling than that was, uh, was the Kansas uh, Kansas girl in the crowd with the I love Dick shirt? I mean, I, I, I think we, we talked about this maybe in like October, but about about the the NIL potential of Grady Dick, and that's just another great example of like this. I mean, this dude is he's killing it from that standpoint. I mean, obviously, I've I've also mentioned on the pod and on Twitter over and over again about how like I have such a basketball crush on him. He's like like 
you know, everything you'd want in, in, a, in a great, uh, a great wing, you know, elite shooter, six, eight, like you know, could jump out the gym. He, he's, he's perfect. But um, he, that man is definitely cashing in on, uh, on, on the name image and likeness with, with uh, emphasis on the name. I feel like every time he is brought up, I need to have the bleep button right by my side, just in case we, we stray too far from his, his surname, but yes, friend of the pod, Jim Weber pointed out the, the lady in the crowd with the, with the I heart Dick shirt and uh, said her father, her father must be proud. Or, or I wonder what her father <laughs> thinks. Something like that. Classic Jim, Jim tweet, but. Well, so, yes, so what, I, what is this now? What is this now for Bill self though? Is this like, how, has he got? I, I can never remember how many home games he's actually lost. I know it's like, like this has got to be like around the tenth one. Have we have we finally hit double digit home losses for Bill Self? We'd have to look it up. We'll have to get uh, pipeline stats and research to look that yeah. up because it's not many. That's an info. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not many, and even there are times when they should have lost, but they haven't. And okay, I, I, I was I was giving Bill Self too much credit. Um, that was a sixteenth home loss. Okay. Um, I thought, so, but still, still ridiculous. But I think some of those were were piled up early on in his uh, tenure. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that it, at least anecdotally, it doesn't seem like there's been a lot lately. It's definitely not like oh, he lost five or six in one year. You know what I mean? And I do want to reiterate: yesterday was by twenty three points. And like, yes, they lost by by eighteen or whatever last year to Kentucky, but that was at least Kentucky. Like, I don't care how good TCU is. You lose by 23 at home to TCU. That That's embarrassing. Yeah, it made me feel like uh, Alabama fans should have tweeted out, hey, <laughs> Alabama should have been here instead, you know, instead of Kansas. But the Big 12 is well, wild. Might, you know, you think they, TCU beating Kansas. Obviously, Kansas has had wins, but they lose to Baylor. Kansas State beats Kansas. Then they lose to uh, – who. Yeah. It was just it's just all over the place. Like everybody beating Iowa everybody. I, yep, Iowa State is another one. Texas well, loses the, this week. Like Alabama fans might actually get their wish though, because you know, so last time uh, TCU was involved with a major a major blowout, obviously was the the college football championship game where all the Alabama fans were like, "See, we should have been in the playoff over TCU," which was like the stupidest argument ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward to today or yesterday where, where TCU blows out Kansas and remember Kansas came into this game ranked number two. Now they'd already lost once this week, but you know, the still, still ranked number two, this, uh, the, this is, this is helping the, the opening of the door to, uh, to Alabama's uh, number likely number one ranking tomorrow. So, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, Alabama will get put in and, you know, they'll either be number one, or number two. So they'll get put in over Kansas. So we mentioned it on the last award-winning podcast, Georgia is the new Alabama in football. But Alabama is the new Kansas in basketball. I don't know. These are weird, wild times we live in. See, Alabama, Alabama can't can't make that claim until the fans of the university start claiming that they invented the sport just because James Naismith coached <laughs> Alabama. So I think retroactively, we have to retroactively make James Naismith an Alabama basketball coach, and they have to claim they invented it. <laughs> you say, well, we're talking about some of the top tier teams and and some of the zaniness that's going on jockeying back and forth who knows what march is going to look like but let's go down the ladder drop down quite a few spots on, on your ken palm ranking or your, or your pipeline palm you know pipeline palm rankings i'm not sure end of an era mr mike bray notre dame coach is retiring i think 
I think everyone can hold hands, including Notre Dame fans. And it was probably time, you know, it was, we it had, was probably time. <laughs> we had the, the incident, I, I guess, was it two years ago when the, the fans were chanting that he should be fired at the home game and yeah, kind of yeah. got a little ugly. It, things were rectified and, and he had a, you know, and a kind of a little bit of a bounce back year, but I do think it's time to, to wrap it up. And I, I, he obviously agrees. I'm just not sure who, who we bring in. Of course, we, we joke around about Tom Crean and stuff like that, but I'm not really sure because it's, it's kind of a unique school. You, you know, you're, you're obviously in the ACC in basketball, but you're independent in, in football. And there's, that's always a, a weird dynamic, but it's also, you know, I, I mean, it's kind of got some strict standards. There are things that might be ignored or just flat out just don't exist at other schools, but I don't know who do you th- who do you think could uh, could step in there and and maybe have a little bit of success. Well, first, I'd like to uh, to, to to make a, a business proposition to one Mike Bray uh, to, uh, to 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 join the show. Uh, we need we need a um <laughs> a podcast series here. You know, Jason, just me me you and Mike Bray on Zoom. You know, maybe drinking a a glass of whiskey or you know a, a nice ice cold beer and just you know talking talking some college hoops. I uh, I think I think that. Uh, that that's the move that really needs to happen. Forget who Notre Dame hires as their coach. I don't really care. They need the, they, we we need Mike Bray to come on on the pod. But um, yeah, I mean to your point though, you're not going to see as many of the classic you know big names be in the mix for this one just be, just because of where what of Notre Dame has what Notre Dame is as a school and kind of where they sit in the pantheon of college basketball, right? Like you know it doesn't it doesn't make as much sense for another name to make a call to a, you know, say a Bruce Pearl as it would for like Texas. Right. You know, so it, it, it does take a, a certain kind of, of person. It is not, and that's not to say another name's a hard job necessarily. It's just to say that like, it does take a certain kind of, of, of person and a certain sort of background to be able to, uh, to make this one work. You know, my guess, I mean, there's a lot of up and coming mid major guys that would make sense. Like I think like, like a Pat Kelsey at Charleston would be a, uh, would be a really uh, a really mm-hmm. good fit there, but um, yeah, because again, cause he's he's dealt with the, the the private school atmosphere at Charleston and some of you know different academic requirements that they might have as well. So, you know, I I mean, you you're not going to see the the Musclemans, the the Bruce Pearls, the mm-hmm. you know Natos, the you know the, the, those types of names aren't going to circulate like the, for this like they are for Texas. True and. To your point about Mike Bray coming on the pod and, and us having an adult beverage or two, I I made a meme a few years ago with uh with Bray and uh I had a little you know talk bubble and he's sitting on he's sitting on the you know on the sideline he's talking to one of his guys and he says did Uncle Mikey ever tell you about the time I went to Nam <laughs> and, and yeah. the players like here's a thought bubble like not this again you know. <laughs> Mike, Mike Bray was like a fashion innovator ahead of his time in college basketball. Because I mean, first of all, you know, he was first known for for the mock turtleneck, right? You know, he would always right. wear the jacket and the turtle. And this and this is back, you know, in the pre-COVID era of you know coaches always wearing the suits. And he, you know, he was a guy who was never wearing a tie. He was wearing a turtleneck or maybe a button down and no tie. And then comes the Maui Invitational. Now remember this Maui Invitational where Notre Dame wins the tournament 
in what was this 2017? Yeah, 2017 18 mm-hmm. season they win and you know they, they get the Maui bump, they go to the top five. But that's that's the Maui invitational where Mike Ray's coaching on the sidelines in a t shirt and shorts. You know, he's in <laughs> he's in the locker room with no shirt and a big like you know massive lay around his neck and, and stuff. And so and so this well the reason I say this is th- this is innovation because this is pre-COVID and then during the you know the COVID era season where coaches you know stopped wearing the suits and whatnot, mm-hmm. he's still you know continued to coach in shorts, you know, he's did, did not care like but you know he he was one of the first he was definitely the first i ever saw do something like that in, in, in the pre-covid college basketball world he absolutely has mastered the disheveled look oh, you know yeah. the, the, i just woke up like, and my alarm went off or i stayed out too late drinking uh, i didn't have time to he, shave he's got, he's got like he's got to be one of the best dudes in college sports who has just major divorced dad energy exactly you know like <laughs> Like Jim, like like Jimbo Fisher's so, the yeah. candidate. Like like they like the Texas A&M football staff is like the divorced dad all stars, but like also all of them are like kind of scummy dudes, you know, for the most part. Like Bray's a genuinely good dude, but man, he's got some major divorced dad energy. <laughs> we should put out a list of our, of our top divorced dad coaches. Uh, the, like you said, the divorced dad all stars. Yeah, I like it. Talking about Notre Dame and obviously being in the ACC. What about this? If we if we had if we took the casual fan, the fan that maybe isn't, or they're at least keeping up with the top teams, and we said, okay, who has more ACC wins this year, Duke or Florida State? And then we said, by the way, Florida State's only won seven games total. I think we get a pretty hefty percentage on Duke, and that would be incorrect. They won the same amount. Yeah. Um- this, I, like, I, I made this discovery today, and this, and this just gets funnier because, you know, we talked about it on here, and everybody pretty much talked about, like, in, in November, the conversation in the ACC was, man, Florida State and Louisville really suck. Like, they, like, they, you know, they were both terrible. <laughs> I mean, look, Florida State, Florida State started the, this, this is how Florida State started the season. A home loss to Stetson, a loss to UCF. That, that's, you know, that's respectable. UCF is terrible. A home loss to Troy. Lost to Florida. They beat finally beat Mercer and then lose to Siena, lose to Stanford, lose to Nebraska, lose to Purdue. Like like they, they, they were just losing, 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 losing. They 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 did beat Louisville. But like, but um so still like they, they started the season losing four straight. They lost what like seven of their first eight or something like that, mm-hmm. eight of the first yeah. nine. So you know, let's call it a one and eight start, right? So fast forward to today, they've they've won, they have now won since then six games. They won seven total games. They're five and five at home. So again, seven total wins, and they're five and four in the ACC. Like, and and, and most and, and to be fair, most of these ACC wins are against you know, are against bottom feeders. Again, I mentioned Louisville. They also beat the aforementioned Notre Dame, who's bad. They lost. They lost to Duke. You know, they they beat Georgia Tech. They. They beat Notre Dame. Actually, beat Notre Dame again. They, but they, they just beat Pitt on Saturday. That's that's a, a win of note in the ACC. But um, but yeah, Notre Dame. So or sorry, Florida State. The uh, the school that again has won seven basketball games this season has the same ACC record as Duke. And by the way, they both have a winning record. It's wild because you think about Bray retiring. Is Leonard Hamilton far behind him? I, I mean, he's obviously the oldest coach. It's, he's the oldest coach, right? He's older than Bayheim, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, the, 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 despite despite how deceiving both of their looks are, when it comes to that. <laughs> exactly. And then the flying gems, both of them, Bayheim and Laranega, 
they're getting up yeah. there too. So we're really undergoing a youth movement. We obviously have Hubert Davis replacing Roy Williams, John Shire replacing Coach K. Kind of a, a new face of ACC basketball. Well, well, first you have to remember that Jim Beheim's cryogenically frozen head will continue to coach Syracuse for the rest of time. So I don't think we're in too big of danger there. But yeah, I mean, we're we are getting like really close. And this is going to sound kind of crazy, but it's true. We're getting really close to a point of Tony Bennett being like the elder statesman in the ACC. Like that. Like, I mean, seriously, it's not that far off. Because like you said, Hamilton, Laranega, Beheim. Like there's, I mean, what, is there a combined 10 years left between those three? I mean, maybe like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not, if you told me the over under on that 10 and a half, I'm not like definitely taking the over there. Right. Um, so, you know, and, and after that, it's a bunch of young guys for the most part, you know, there's, I mean, there's not a whole lot, you know, of really established, old, you know, like Tony Bennett would be by far the most established guy you know, after that. Yeah. So, and then, and then it's what, like Josh Pastner, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, I mean so yeah. I mean, the 28 really year old Josh Pastner. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, yeah. So like the, the future of established coaches in the ACC are, are Jim Beheim's cryogenically frozen head. Like whatever, like one of the running jokes, like Ted Williams, head or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah like I think that's gonna, true. By the way, I think that is true. I, I don't think it's like a joke. I think Ted Williams really did have his, <laughs> Head frozen or body frozen well, or something. I, well, I, I'm sure I'm sure uh, Jim Beheim's like search <laughs> history is like how to Ted Williams yourself. How did so, Ted like, Williams he, do it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so like the future of the ACC is Jim Beheim's cryogenically frozen head, Tony Bennett, and then like somehow <laughs> the somehow unfireable Josh Pastner. You know, I, I want. Uh, I still haven't gotten my wish of a orange team of nothing but Beheims. Five starting <laughs> Bayheims and five on the bench and coached by a frozen Bayheim. But like you said, if he freezes his head, we can <laughs> we can we keep hope alive. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I you totally see like he's probably like got some sperm stored up somewhere, you know, for, for this exact purpose, right? Like this is de- like like if if you can dream it, he's definitely dreamt it. So um, you know, I think there's gotta be some uh, some reserve somewhere that we could tap into to make this happen, you know, 20, 25 years down the line here. Well, you know, changing the subject slightly, I was gonna use the word pandemic, and then I said, you know what, that that has negative connotations now. So I don't know what I'm gonna what what word I can use, but we have undergone for some reason coaches have forgotten where the sideline starts and stops because it's it's been for lack of a better term a pandemic this year KSD where coaches are on the floor during plays like it looks like they're guarding people I mean if someone passed them the ball I would not be shocked I mean we all seen bloopers like that where out of the corner of the eye, they pass the ball out of bounds because the coach is standing there. They wouldn't even be out of bounds at this point. We, you know, we've had Coach Cal do it. Uh, obviously, uh, Kermit Davis was on the court this week. Kermit. Seemingly, I, I mean, I'm ready for him to start slapping the floor and you know, getting in the defensive the, the, stance. The picture of Kermit Davis is great because, like, the the, the person who takes this during the um the Ole Miss Arkansas game yesterday. Is like the perp is behind you know, on the baseline has the perfect angle down to see Joseph Pinion for Arkansas standing in the corner and Kermit Davis like literally standing right next to him where like he's about to like set a screen. I mean I know Ole Miss is on defense, but like Kermit could have like screened Joseph Pinion. Like it, it, 
like he, he might as well have gotten a defensive stance, taken a charge. I don't know. Like he was right there. Um, but yeah, you mentioned let's let's rewind the clock to Tuesday because um because Cal probably has the funniest one of these of the season. Although Sean Woods of Southern, do you, you remember um he was he was playing defense against Xavier in like December where he was like like Sean Woods wasn't just standing on the court. He was like putting his hand up and like in a stance, like chopping his feet and stuff. But um I think Cal has my favorite one of these on the season for a couple of reasons. So first of all, um Cal against so Kentucky gets Georgia on Tuesday. Kentucky wins. Um, Cal, like in the first half, got a warning for being out of the coach's box. And I think this this was just, if I recall correctly, this was just like a, you know, he wandered too close to half court, like along mm-hmm. the scores table. You know, like, it wasn't like he was way on the court. And so it's like with like five minutes left in the game, he's, you know, out on the court trying to get like, CJ Frederick in like the right place for their offensive set. And I screen grabbed it because he, he is literally inside the three point line, like on the wing. He's not like he's in the corner where there's like, you know, a foot length between the, right. the three point line and the sideline. Like, no, like he is like, you know, multiple steps onto the court foot is on the line. He could have taken a two if he had the ball. The refs tee him up for being out of the coach's box. And Cal just goes all, like Cal is like beside himself. And he got called for this. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, it's the very, it's, it's like, it's one of the funniest, um, like, oh, I, I, oh, I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. Like, you know, like he did, he did the thing that like everybody does as soon as they commit their fa- commit a foul of some sort. Like, you know, throw your hands up. Like, yeah, hey, it wasn't me. You know, like th- he yeah. does that immediately. And I have no idea how. Like, he had to have watched the replay the next day and be like, oh yeah, I probably was out. I was out of coach's box. <laughs> well, you know, let's, for all the the ba- college basketball history heads out there, Dean Smith famously got thrown out of the Final Four for being yep. out of the coach's box. Like you said, he, he was too close or he'd gone over to at, it was, I think it was some miscommunication or something. He'd gone to ask the ref something and they teed him up and threw him out. But this, this reminded me uh, that coach, like coach Cal was running a practice and he was trying to position <laughs> yeah. the guy, you know, like, it, it, but a real game was actually going on. Yeah. I mean, like he, it was literally like, you know, they're, they're, trying to run some live offense in practice and like, you know, CJ Frederick goes, you know, doesn't get, get quite deep enough into his, into his position. And, you know, and like one of the situations where Cal might, you know, kind of give him a little, a little tap on the back or something, you know, like you got to get there kind of, kind of thing. And yeah, he um, more or less did that on ESPN during a game. Um, my thing with the coaches box in general is it, it, it kind of almost feels like holding in football where it's like, they could call this like every game, but they yeah. don't. Which like I, I I don't necessarily hate the uptick in calls mostly because I love seeing the coaches like Cal get mad about it. <laughs> like they, Kentucky played A and M on Saturday and he didn't you know he wasn't terrible about it but like Buzz Williams has always been like one of the worst offenders of this. Yeah. Like um he's always like you know both feet on the court playing defense more or less. Again Sean Woods if you hadn't seen the Sean Woods video Southern's coach when they played Xavier look it up it was incredible from this I mean he literally is like closing out to a shooter in the corner. So I do, um, you know, it, it, it is funny to me, like this happens and it's also fun. It, it, I just love when they get called for it because every single coach is like pissed that they get called for this. <laughs> yeah. I think we obviously talked last week about coach Cal and his weird halftime. He had, he's probably had that the, the biggest halftime interview or, or the best halftime interview um, yeah. of the year. Now he has the best mate. I, I, I don't know. It could be him, him or Woods, as far as best on court moment for a coach. Well, again, again, I mean, Kermit Davis on Saturday, like, 
his his just his is hilarious because of the defensive positioning. Like, I mean, if you if you reverse, if you like flip the image around, the like mirror image to where like it look to where you can make it look like Kermit is between Pinion and the basket, he's in like perfect defensive position. Like, like that's the only thing he's missing. He's just not between his man and the basket. But like other than that, I mean, he's he's right there. He's ready to make the play. So, I mean, I. I I get it. I understand why this happens, but I I, lo- I just love seeing this call just because of how frustrating it is for for the coaches. Um, let's let, let's take a quick. Uh, can we take a quick trip around the Big Ten? Because there's I, I have some I have some general Big Ten thoughts, but I also want to highlight a few things that happened this week. All right, let's do it. So first, overall Big Ten thought is that like every team in the Big Ten is like kind of bad. Uh, I, I said I could go on and on about Purdue. I won't. Purdue's like a, you know, Purdue's like the one legitimate team in the conference, but they're the only team in the conference that has less than three conference losses. Like, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the Big Ten standings, like everybody's like five and four, like just garbage conference. It's overrated yeah. every year. I don't understand what like, and the thing I don't understand about this of why this happens at the Big Ten every year is, I can see the computers loving these teams if like it was just you know track me kind of what, what everybody used to think big 12 football was like, which is like, man, every game is just ridiculously high scoring. Yeah. That's just not the case at all, but that's kind of beside the point here. Um, I want to talk about a, cu- a couple plays. So first uh, from, from Thursday, Hunter Dickinson <laughs> hits the, hit the three against Maryland and um, the, uh, the FS one cameras uh, catch him making a little bit of a motion, you know, one, one that involves, um, you know, uh, sli- sliding your hand in a uh, a forward and backward motion, and then uh, you know, making a little toss gesture. You know, my again, my, you my hands over the bleep button right now. So keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh, he made a motion. He used he used his hand around his grady dick and made it made a motion. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. Um, Hunter Dickinson's kind of been, I mean, Hunter Dickinson's always been a polarizing figure, and that's really only gone up this year because for some reason, Jawan Howard's let him do that stupid Barstool podcast. So, mm-hmm. again, not, again, not to talk bad, you know, if any, if any college basketball players would come on this podcast, I promise it'll be okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that, he said some stupid things there, but that was, uh, that, I mean, it was also, it wasn't like, too, it was like some, you know, big moment in the game either. It was just like, all right, three, you know, like a, random three in the middle of the game to cut the lead from, you know, seven to four. And that's what he did. I mean, I don't know. My only, my only regret was that it wasn't the very first basket of the game. You know what I mean? I wish it was just. Set set the, set the tone. Right. I mean, like also too, it's not like Maryland, some big rival, you know, exactly. Like, because like he he he's talked he's talked all the stuff about Michigan State and you know whatnot. And he said they were going to beat Arizona State by thirty, and they lost by thirty. And you know like the, the, there's been all the stuff like that. But like this this seemingly came out of nowhere, just like given you know time and place. I don't I don't know. But the other the other play I want to talk about actually occurred today during Indiana and Michigan State. So um, you know late late in the game, Michigan or Indiana pretty much has it under control. I think they were up like nine at this point with about two and a half minutes left uh indiana's tamar Bates. tamar Bates made the maybe the 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 smartest statistical play i've ever seen so he he gets he gets the ball on the wing and trace jackson davis is pretty much wide open in on on the block for a post entry he kind of looks him off the first time throws it back up to trey galloway top of the key gets it back it's like all right not you know not i have to hit this post entry we're going to watch this on film tomorrow. You know, Coach Woodson's going to be pissed, you know, blah, blah, blah. But also, Tamar Bates was having a really good game, you know, shooting the ball, by the way, earlier. So, 
that that that's important. But he 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 throws a horrendous entry pass where I don't remember who was guarding him, but defender jumps up and deflects it, deflects it right back to him. He's like, cool, catch and shoot, just nails a three. So I, this is smart for three reasons. One being um, that if I was scoring this, I would have given him an assist to himself. You know, it's kind of like sure. in football where you know, where the quarterback you know the quarterback passes it, yeah. Gets batted back to himself, and they get the reception and the receiving yards. Mm-hmm. He should get the the, the assist. Um, that's number one. Number two is like I mentioned, this is going to look really good on film because he can claim that he was actually trying to make the smart basketball play here and get the ball to to Trace Jackson Davis, but then be like, "Well, I was wide open, and so I had to take the three. <laughs> and, and three, the third, the third reason why this is smart too is because I might be giving him too much credit here, but I'm going to just give him the benefit of the doubt. By by throwing the pass over the top, he, he he there was no ball fake, there was nothing. He he knew this was going to happen. Like you can't just throw an entry over the top with no fake and then not get touched. So it's like yeah, he he did. I'm saying he, he did it on purpose, made it look like he didn't, and then was like, well, I have to take it. I'm so open. Genius. You know, it kind of reminded me of if you ever watch. Uh, they're hard to watch sometimes for me, at least. The NBA All Star Game where absolutely no defense is being played. And they'll, they'll do the famous yeah. – they pick up their dribble, they'll throw it off the backboard to themselves and then dunk it. Yeah. For, he threw it off the defender's hand and then drained the three. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's – like, yeah, it's like do, it was basically the equivalent of doing that. Like, it was, it was a great read of the defense. Like, here, I'm going to get myself an assist here. Look like I'm trying to make the right smart basketball play and get myself another, another three ball as well. I thought it was genius. Well, before we leave the Big Ten, Zach Eady, hands down player of the year. What do you think? I think he has to be at this point. I mean, because all right, I, I, you're you're going to make me get into too much of my Purdue stuff here, but the <laughs> but because because I think he had I mean one statistically, I mean he's just dominating everybody, but also mm-hmm. he's literally the like if you take him off Purdue, how many losses do they have? They're like what nineteen and one. You take him off right. Purdue, they're probably thirteen and seven, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's not really a – if we talk baseball analytics, there's the war wins over replacement. Uh, I think it would be pretty high for Zach Eady if if there was such a thing for college basketball. Yeah, I mean, like, this doesn't – won't necessarily work for everybody, but if I'm – and Tom Izzo kind of did this in the Michigan State game. Like, if if I'm a a coach coaching against Zach Eady, whether it's in the Big Ten or in the NCAA tournament, I almost, like – I, I would I wouldn't double him. I would just be like, all right, dude, you got to score. If you score eighty, you're gonna win. If uh, if you don't, your teammates are gonna combine for about fifteen points. So like like, <laughs> like I mean, could could he score eighty on you? Yes, he but he's not going to. So like right. I mean, I would I would. And that's kind of what Izzo did, and they they lost by one. You know, Edie scored what like thirty something in that game, but yeah. I mean, if you, if you if you basically just say, all right, dude, let's see let's see if you can make forty jump hooks. I'm with you. I think that's a great plan because what that does is everyone else kind of goes in a funk. They're not in rhythm. They're just standing around watching, you know, their eight foot four guy shoot six foot foot hook shots, you know. So I think that's a great, great plan. And I, to your point, I don't want to get two X's and O's here because obviously we're, we're all about the weird, wild, wacky. I think Being that probably is still weird, wild, and wacky. Yeah, that's that's, true, that's, that's true. <laughs> that probably puts a ceiling on Purdue's, you know, NCAA tournament run. 
of course they could get the breaks, they could get upsets, they could get the matchups. It's always about matchups, but yeah. they oh yeah, they're they're a top five team that is not matchup proof. Well, because I mean, outside of Zach Eady, I would say Fletcher Lawyers like like. There's like half a dude that scares you outside of Zach Eady. Right. Fletcher Lawyer can hit a few shots. He's, he's the only other guy on the roster that even gives me a second of pause if I'm thinking about like game playing against him defensively. That's that's why I like that. That's the short version of why the, the, this team is not going to go to the final. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's always the they got lucky breaks, and you know, the, every team they faced wasn't taller than six foot two. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I do, I do feel bad for whatever, um, you know, fifteen or sixteen seeds gonna have to guard Zach Eady for forty minutes because, like, you know, those those types of school, you know, all the the, the mid majors and the low majors, you know, their tallest player is probably gonna be like six eight. They probably have like right. one six eight guy. It's just a bunch of, you know, dudes between six two and six six who just kind of stand on the perimeter and shoot threes. So. Like he might have, he might have sixty in you know in the in the in the, in the first round game because whoever they play is not going to have a single person to throw at him. Let's uh well, before 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 we break here, one quick thing I want to mention is the Cameron Crazies uh, have all, they've always been corny. Everybody knows this. I don't think anybody disagrees. But um, the current version of the Cameron Crazies is, is like the worst ever. They had a sign against Miami on Saturday that just said Miami, more like Miami. There was another one that was like. You're not a hurricane. You're a tropical depression. Like, ho, 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 owned, owned. <laughs> like, they're, they're totally, and like, um, you know, the, the, the Blue Devil mascot always has the stupid thing on his, fo- like, writing on his forehead. And it was like, you can't touch this. It's like, ah, ha, ha. Like, so, um, so, yeah. So, I just want to say, like, I don't, I mean, and, and everybody's seen, you know, the, the dirt sheets they do on players. That's, that's mm-hmm. a whole other yeah. thing. But, like. I didn't think it was possible for them to continue getting worse, but like they, they are continuing to get worse. It really, I think, I think UNC last year and coach K's final game, I think they killed the Cameron crazies to remember they had, they were dressed as like Sesame street characters, just yeah. crying. Yeah. And I think that was the, the beginning of the end because you're right. It's, it's like they stumbled across a book of dad jokes and then they just put them on signs now. Well, the one thing I the, like the, the the thing that's the hardest for me to believe with all this is you know they've done the dirt sheets for forever, but somehow the information they have on it is like way worse in an era where it's like so easy to get all this information on people now. Like you know they're yeah. putting people social media. Oh, this is so and so's girlfriend. But like the stuff they have, like the stuff they had thirty years ago was like ten times better than what they had now in like the age of information. Like how how was that possible? It's weird. It's definitely weird. Well, I think that's going to put a bow on it. Uh, remember to f- make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter at Pipeline underscore and follow KSD as well at Pregame Empire. And we'll see you guys next time on the Pipeline Award-winning podcast. Mike Bray, come on the pod. <laughs>